Alphabet Intelligence Podcast. Afrobeat Intelligence. Democratizing African music. For you more than anything, what does it mean to be Fozza? You know, this person, this when people talk about law and the music industry in Nigeria and the number of countries, what does that mean to be Fozza, the person that is approximated with this? <sighs> That's such a deep question because you're going to touch a bit of like ego and pride in it. But Which is like, fine. Which is fine. <laughs> I mean, it's for me, it's just like what, what I saw has happened. Okay. You know, the big, the... When I was coming into this, I gave myself a seven-year projection. I said that by my fifth year practicing as a lawyer, because I, I was conflicted at a point, either to go into full management or to you know go into this law part. And I remember, I think it was December 2014, when Woju was, because I was working with G Worldwide then and we're pushing Kisses project. And I sat down in the car with... with uh, Jeezy, yeah, Jeezy, and he said, you need to drop everything because this guy is going to be a superstar and I need your 100% attention. And I was just finishing from law school. And I looked at it, I evaluated it, and I'm just like, ah, do I really want to be stuck to one person? What year was this? I think this was in 2014. I finished law school in 2014, and I know that I was working, I started working with, with Kiss, I think, during my law school year. Yeah. And we got, I got called in November. So, yeah, yes, around so, that time. Yeah, so you were asking yourself questions. Yeah, so I was asking myself questions. I was like, do I really want to be attached to one person or do I want to create a legacy that's bigger than me? So, Woju was blowing up then. And yeah. everyone that went to law school with me knew that this baby was the guy touting this guy called Kiss Danny. Everybody, you would, I would go on your phone, you would download that thing, you know, or you would stream or whatever. And I said, oh, no, you know, Jeezy, I love you. I think you're doing something amazing, but this is not really the part I want to go to. And I went, you know, law. Why, why, why do you reject it? Because I just felt like the world needed me more in terms of creating a legacy and structure that would benefit more people than just one person. Okay. And I couldn't do that in the capacity of being a manager. That's, you know, because as a manager, you're not essentially building structures, yeah. You know, the law is very powerful. The law, for me, is a social engineer. And you can change things. It's long, yeah. you know, but you can actually change and affect lives with just one legislator legislation or, you know, looking into one legislation and attacking certain things to ensure that a system is proper or a system is dismantled. Yeah. So for me, I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to leave this life of traveling and this, like, I love traveling, this life of fame that people will see me and this guy taking a picture and be like, oh, from the trenches to the, you know, this other thing I'm doing has to make sense. And I gave myself a five year projection. I said, by the fifth year, I have to be one of the most record, like top three entertainment lawyers in Nigeria. By the seventh year, so by that fifth year, uh, because I did the economics of the industry. Yeah. I did the economics of the industry and I saw that the ROI wasn't matching. So I said five years, I should be able to make money to fuel my car, make money to you know pay my rent. But by the seventh year, by the seventh year, I should be able to talk about money that my generation hasn't seen. So by the seventh year, I said I wanted to transition into being an authority yeah. in Africa. 
By the third year, I did what I wanted to do in the fifth year. By the fifth year, I was already thinking I'm more than just law. I'm more than just a lawyer. I am the gateway to, you know, my purpose, I found out, was just creating sustainable wealth for creatives in the industry. Uh, it used to be Nigeria, and I moved it to Africa because I just realized, I went to Ghana the other time, and I was just like, you guys need a FOSA yeah. in this industry. You know, so... Why did they need a FOSA? What was the hole you saw that made you think they needed a FOSA? It was just someone that believes enough to fight for a system. There are people that are fighting for pockets, but I'm blessed to be one of those people that will fight for systems. And that's what they need. And the the in the success or the basis or the foundations that a lot of creative people, apart from artists, are enjoying now is because some of us fought for those systems. Yeah. And it came at a price. It came at us losing money, losing clients, losing yeah. your cash cow, but we're just like, my goal is that if my if I'm 50, sorry, when I'm 50, rather, yeah. and my boy or my girl says, oh, mom, I want to, you know, do music, I'm not going to hesitate and say, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not uh, confident about your financial, uh, uh, financial stability as a musician. I don't want that. Then my, my years of working in the music industry and the entertainment industry is a waste. Yeah. You know, so I'm very focused on systems. It's long, yeah. it's hard, it's a lot of delayed gratification, but it's always worth it. Hmm. That's what I've that's what I've come to realize. I think one of the earliest reasons why I was attracted to you and your work was because you you had this anti-establishment mm. angle to it. And I I, I know I have been anti-establishment. <laughs> <laughs> you had this anti-establishment angle to like your work you were always railing against the machine you were always trying to it felt like you were a fighter i am why were you fighting because a lot of our systems or establishments are founded on very wrong principles okay and it fosters very toxic environment in the long run that leads to lots of things that we cannot fathom and it's not sustainable that's like the first give, like give me an example so the the idea of managers being tied to one person have you seen when a manager would toil for like five years to break an artist and the artist has a glimpse and the artist just goes rogue a glimpse of stardom yeah Fame, not even money, just a glimpse of, and just goes rogue. Like, what have you done for me in my career? Do you know you know people that have committed suicide that you don't know on social media just because they dedicate? Because for you to manage someone, you're sacrificing your own vision. Yeah, you're giving up your life. Your life for that person. And someone wakes up and just feels like you, you're not worth it. You know, like, you're not, it's just like the way they say, I married you and I brought you up and now you want to leave me for the shiny thing. And it's all in the foundation of how our contracts you know, for managers were being done. Yeah. When I came into the in, in this industry, there was nothing like post-term commissions where if I've worked with you for three years and you decide you want to leave to someone else, I should be able to, I should have a hold on your career for another two to three years to be making money from because I worked that brand. 
Yes. I walked that brand. And I remember the first time I introduced it into a contract, there was so there was such a resistance, but I was just like, nope. You know? And the person I did it with was just like, Fosa, I get what you're doing, but I'm not I'm deflate I'm too deflated to fight for this. And And this was a manager. Yeah, this was a manager, you know. I'm too deflated to fight. Now the new angle to it is I'm I'm like when I'm structuring my agreements with management and artists. It's a different approach, you know, apart from what, what I knew four years ago. And that's because I'm still in the trenches with these managers and going through these things. I manage, or I used to manage, art. I stopped that last year because now I'm too busy. But I've seen it, and I told, you know, the younger guys I'm working with, I'm like, I'm the new shiny thing and fancy to you now. But I know you really don't like me. Yeah. You're just getting what you want from me. Sure. And I'm, my, I'm protected in my agreement. So if today you wake up and you want to go, Bye-bye. But if I decide that I'm going to activate my powers, I would, and I would solidly do it. Yeah. You know, And the only reason I could do that is because I'm also in the industry. And my approach to it was protecting everybody involved in a fair and equal manner. A lot of the agreements and contract relationships that we had has been very unfair. Yeah. You know, And just based on the fact of Amanoga, you're a slave, you know, and whether it's the artist doing it to the manager or the label doing it to the artist. So those foundations and so many of those establishments for me was just like crazy. Like, how are you guys functioning? And nobody's calling this out. So when I'm on panel, when I was much younger and I was on panel and I'm talking, they'll just be like, you're still young. Don't say when you remember. <laughs> you're very young. I just asked your age before this. And it was very young. You're younger than me. <laughs> no, but like in terms of like, like you were saying before we started the podcast, my CV is, is rich. Yes. You know, so when you were younger, you were having this conversation. Yeah. And you know, I'll be on a panel and I'll call you out. You know, a lot of our CMO problems or our... What's a CMO? Uh, collective management problem. Okay. <laughs> I remember the first Nigerian entertainment conference I attended. And I won't mention this person's name. And they were fighting on stage. And I just saw this bunch of 40, then they were like 40s, late 40s, entering their 50s. And they were fighting on stage. And one person was like, the first person that did this before you and attacked this, they died. The other person that did this before you, they died. Whoa. And you, then the other person was like, I won't die in Jesus' name. I was like... What is going on here? What? Over music money or what? I promise you. I was just like, what is going on here? And when we when you go into you know these problems to examine it, and you're just like, it's just the foundation of how the establishment was done. It's, so when I speak against these things, people just think like I, I like to be rebellious. But I'm like, the reason why a lot of things get swept away is because we keep quiet. Yeah. You know, and somebody has to take if I remember there was this issue that was going on and this you know foreign investor came into the market we wanted their money we need their money like we we're saying earlier the african economy is poor everything com- competes with food so for someone coming into this industry to invest it's a long-term game for them right so we got in there built a bit of structure for them and said you know what we know we're hungry but there has to be an exchange of value you can't come and treat us like slaves again you know so we created the structure it was going, and my own people decided, well, like, ah, Fosa is making too much money from this. And in fact, I wasn't even read. I wasn't even making money because you pay me like 100K, 95 is going to the artist because they own the money. They're the ones entering into the contract, not me, yeah. you know. 
And because these foreigners are used to my people, unfortunately, being not straight. They thought, oh, she's too comfortable and too audacious, you know, not to be stealing. <laughs> so they came, they tested it, and they saw that nothing was there. But they now started doing things that was very anti-FOSA, <laughs> like anti-values, and in the long run was going to hurt the whole industry. And I looked at it, looked at it, consulted and everything, and everybody was like, yeah, speak against it, speak against it. I thought I had, like, the support of everybody. I spoke against it, and everybody went mute. But that's the industry, you know? <laughs> That's the in- I used to do a lot. Of, I used to do a lot of fighting in this industry. You can you can attest to that. I did a lot of fighting. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I stopped being that person, that arm of justice or that arm of retribution <laughs> <laughs> in this industry, was you had nobody behind you. Yeah. People would the people would support you would come in secret yeah. and tell you how much of a whatever you're at. <laughs> But like when shit hits the fan, when it's time for them to actually put anything on the line, everybody disappears and you're just alone. Like for me, with my dick in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people, I, I, you see that thing I did, if I didn't do it, right, 70% of the industry, people making money from the industry wouldn't exist. So for me, I looked at it like, would I rather suffer a few million dollars yeah. than allow times 10 of million dollars going down in the industry? I was just like, you know what? I'm going to press send on that email, whatever it is, whatever. Now, to you now, they're still fighting with me. They're still blacklisting me. And I'm just like, oh, am I all right, too? You know? Yeah. And the, the other people that, you know, they they came like, ah, oh, Fusa, you shouldn't have you know, done it like this. You shouldn't have done it like that. I called them and I said, but you are benefiting from it now. Uh-huh. So are you going to apologize? True. But I don't need you to apologize. I, I've done it for posterity's sake because those people that tried it, they know that there's a watchdog in the industry. At, at one point, my, my name was, ah, bulldozer. Yeah. It's like, nah. It's, I know, I know you, you're trying to say, like, it's not complimentary. I know you're trying to mock, but the God I serve, I've never begged any of you for money. I yeah. think that's the most gracious God has done for me. Like, I've never had to go back to these people to beg for money because you look at it like, oh, you have all this code, you have this equality, justice, fairness thing going on, and the people doing the complete opposite, they have so much money than you now. But every time I look at it and I'm like, I, I go into places and I say, I'm putting my certificate on the line or my name on the line, and people give me money. That's what that's what I want. I want that my children will be like, ah, Fosa is my mom. And you're getting stopped. You know, I mean, I look at it every day. I have this great idea, and I'm just like, ha, if I just had... My father just had one trust like this. That I don't <laughs> this, you know. But I want to do that for my children. Yeah. And my name is the first. Like one time, this fellow lawyer and this fellow music executive came into my email to trade. You stole my client's song. Yeah. I warned you the first time. I warned you the second time. The third time, I was just like, you know what, dude? Like I, I'm not. And you went, and the first thing you, you came and accused me of insider trading that bogus thing and you go you're going to report me to the nigerian bar association and take my license <laughs> for for music yeah i was like i just i didn't even respond to the email because i was like this is beneath me i sent my associate i said respond and tell them to file it because people really feel like and i think it just comes with this territory of being you know the fighter or the person is like people always want to soil your name sure. for whatever reason whether it's your personal life whether it's your professional life so that we come and I've just learned, like, never be afraid. This is I was asking you how many lawsuits 
I've been good to. I've been, I've been through a number of lawsuits <laughs> for fighting. Yeah, the, the the industry is the trenches, man. It's the trenches. And then and then for for situations like this, like when you have had to, because all I know about Forza in the past, now I know you more, yeah. so I can properly appreciate you and what you contribute to the space. But in the past, when things were a bit more fuzzy, Forza was always this lone voice saying, it can get better, it can get better, it can get better, we deserve more. How, how are you able to do that while building a business at such a young age? Uh, I, I think really it's just being centered and, and true to who I am. I, see, I saw my vision and purpose very early. You know, one thing I made, I think it was in 2014. Yeah. So that was the last time I was really broke. Like, I couldn't even... I think 2014, 2015, actually 2015, myself and my partner were so broke that day, we couldn't afford to eat. <laughs> and we had to call my mom and be like, please, is there a bathroom? <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah, I guess And you. we drove to the house that day and we're eating the air and we're looking at ourselves like, this can't be it. Yeah. So I told God, I said, you've given me this, you've told me that I'm going to be a billionaire. So when I call myself Poza Billions, people just, first of all, the billions has not come, it's manifestation, guys. It's, it's, it'll come. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on its way. It's certainly going to come. It's you on know? its way. And I was like, you've given me this big dream, you've given me this vision, I see it. I, I see it. Every morning I sleep, I wake up, I see it. So like, I made a pact with God and I said, if you really want me to go down this path, because one, I've had so many opportunities to leave this country. Yeah. You know, I've had so many opportunities to work with your multinational companies. But I keep hearing, you need to build this business. You need to build a Pan-African business. You need to build a Pan-African. And it's the trenches. Entrepreneurship is the trenches. I know it seems glamorous. It's the trenches, guys. What's hard about it? Hey, ask me. I, I know, like, I, 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 I'm building, <laughs> I, I've been building businesses for a while, but, like, what's bad about it on your, on your end? Let me answer the first question before I answer this. So, yeah. it's like, so for me, it's just every day I wake up, I don't look at the distractions of the day. Yeah. I just focus on the future. And I made a pact with God. I said, so far, every day, I can, I have where to sleep, yeah. I have what to wear, and I have what to eat. I'm good to go on this assignment for you. And... Since I think I made that pact with him December, crossover night, December 2015. From then till now, I've never had to beg for food. <laughs> I've never worried about my rent. I've never so for me, if those basic things for human life are sorted, I can run the race that I'm called to run. Yeah. That's why I'm, I feel like I'm so centered. You know, what's hard about entrepreneurship? It's first of all, you're working in an industry where the industry is like second to the last in terms of ranking of value with legal infrastructure in the country. Before you get to creative industry, you do agri, oil and gas, you know, real estate, construction, blah, blah, blah. And it's not like I didn't see that coming. It's just like, and COVID showed us further that it's really a disposable income industry. It's not... People, people, people don't give a shit. Yeah, because people are hungry. I'm not going to spend 500 naira to sub or 900 naira to sub for apple when I've not had food to eat today. Let's look at it from that angle, you know. So you're working in that industry. You're doing something entirely new. It's for you to be an entre entrepreneur. Your first 
qualities resilience during covid and i can proudly say i didn't owe anybody salary and i didn't fire anybody <laughs> well done yes well i got fired <laughs> during covid i had two jobs i had one locally and i had one internationally my local job fired me and they're still owing me over 1.5 1.5 million wow. to this day my foreign job increased my salary. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's when we, we really saw that our industry is based on lies. And that's what worries me the most because we're a ticking time bomb. And I keep preaching this gospel that this same thing I say we deserve more. We de- I've been talking about publishing since 2016. Yeah. Now it's cool. Everybody's any little thing. My split sheet. <laughs> yeah, we did that. We went against a whole one of your biggest, you know, studios saying you have to pay for this. You know, we went against CMOs talking about saying these people need to be included yeah. in this wealth distribution. We went against the famous people telling them, no, just because you paid for a bit doesn't mean that you own it. It's, a, you know, explaining the law and the concept of rights to people at different points in time. It, for me, I don't think I would have ever survived if, I, one, I didn't have the right partnership with the people I work with. Yeah. And two, I just focus on the big picture. I could have fired everybody in 2020 and do the work myself. I'm probably be having nothing high blood pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one thing to be an entrepreneur in the creative industry. It's another thing. To be an entrepreneur in Nigeria. One day we're just you know in the office and everything, and our tra- our meter bill because of something about low balancing and stuff. We applied for a new meter. First one, second one, third one. Ah. By the fifth one, I was like, these people will bring a bill that you know. I told my my EA, please go and attend to this. Please go and attend to this. Please go and attend to this. And <laughs> seven months later, they came with two point five million naira bill. Uh-uh. I, I said, Lou, am I running a bakery? Like- <laughs> Uh, what are you doing you know, over there? Then we Do you have a nuclear plant? Are, are you cooking meth? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, then we started fighting because I was just like, on principle, I would not pay because they were like, oh, for us, for them to come and because they now came and disconnected life. I said, on principle, I'm not going to pay that money. They said I have to pay 30% before they now talk about reduction of fees. I was like, never, ever, ever over my existing body. No, I'm not going to do that. In the same vein, as I was doing that, the tax people came a 20 something millionaire bill for me whoa you guys make that amount of money <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'll go to law school immediately <laughs> no but you see i i was not trying i was we now started this education of the tax system that i collect money for people it's not i have to explain the meaning of advance the meaning of expense in the industry They're like no your account just shows this i'm like no you know th- they, they didn't to today they still don't understand the advance but it but, took us it took myself and my partner educating our accountant yeah. and training her because we went to go and drag our accountant from where she was working and said we need entertainment accountants and we've tried to find one we can but come we're going to create a safe space for you yeah. to develop this aspect of the industry yeah and she left her job. It took her. My accountant argued that thing for like two months and came back with, I said, Fuzza, I've reduced your bill to about you know X amount and you pay over this period of time. I was like, yeah. Okay. But imagine my sleepless. I said sometimes, the whole time, when I was coming to her, she was like, please 
Just don't come to the office. I said, why? I said, because you're going to drive your bands and come to this office and they're going to think that because they, they actually did the research. Ah, it's not Fosa Dosa that is the director of school. I'm like, so because I'm Fosa Dosa that you think that. You didn't drive your bands here. <laughs> no, I had an accident in December. Oh, so, okay. so the bands is pending. We're, we're trying to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, continue. Please. So if we didn't have someone that we had shown the prospect of the industry, in terms of accounting, yeah, nobody would have saved me from that twenty million. I would have had to go and look for someone that didn't understand what what I do as a business, but because she understood the dynamics of the business, yeah, understood the line items, she was able to create a solution for me. And for me, that's success: creating systems that work, that work after me, and that work for me. Yeah. So, really, that's it. And then. You know, this thing about educating the world and into how, like, the music business operates and what it means to operate within the space. It's something that has been, everybody who's been prominent in this industry in some way, whether in journalism, in music, in, in the legal part aspects of it, in branding, in everything. They've, not only have they had to, not only have they had to do their work well, They've had to like take on structural challenges within the game to say, okay, I'm going to set this out. Why wasn't it done before? Especially like in legal, you know, interacting with like foreigners or foreign companies hasn't been a, isn't new to us. We've been doing this since the 50s, the 40s, the 60s, down now. Why, why didn't we get upgraded as everything moved into the modern age? So first of all, the legal industry is very adverse to quick changes. Okay. That's the DNA of our industry. It's just, we're very slow. People will call it calculated. But now they are learning to speed up because tech, tech is removing job from their hands, you know. Like, we have a we have a code, we have something in the RPC that says you can't take client, you can't go to a client's house and take meeting. You can't take a meeting in a client's house. Yeah, every meeting you take as a lawyer has to be in your office. So if, we well, hold on, let me like explore this a little. Like, take for example now, we are currently recording this in a studio owned by my best friend, yeah. Lucas J Vision. So if you sign Lucas now as a client, that means you can sit on that the couch that you're sitting on now yep. and have a meeting with Lucas on Lucas's business. Yeah. I, I mean, according to the RPC, yeah, you can't. That's not cool. So when I was coming to the, first of all, you already see that that's a major Because let's say I represent David Doe, for example. Yeah. I, for example, would I tell David to be coming to Ikeja? <laughs> 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 you know well to the airport yes but not, <laughs> not to your office <laughs> maybe the private jets yes the dynamics of our business is sometimes even, I remember one time we, we're supposed to sign this international deal for a client American time and they called at 3am and they expected my senses to be sharp 3am <laughs> yeah and you just woke up got yes. the eye all of that yes and we had to finish that deal so imagine I have superstar clients now and my client can call and say, oh, Fuza, this corporation wants to talk to us now. You need to fly in. Am I going to say, oh, RPC says that I can't have it in? So until today, that rule still exists. Another rule that exists is you can't advertise your business. That I can understand. Why can't you advertise your business? 
Especially when you work in an industry like the music industry where there's hyper competition and you are trying to do something that's very pivotal to the space. Why can't you beat your chest and say, I, I'm doing this, this come to this firm? So I think the, the, the foundation of that law mm-hmm. or that provision or code of conduct is really to guard against fakes. So yeah. fake people would advertise? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen like a lot of entertainment lawyers in quotes and you're just like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Just go back home and learn some more. Like, stop touting about, like, a lot of people now just think being an entertainment lawyer is standing with celebrities and taking pictures and doing cool videos and do, <laughs> doing cool real videos, you know. So I can understand from that aspect, you know, yeah. where that provision is coming. But there's so many things still in our provisions that's very slow. And, and I have to give it to our new uh, NBA president. And the truth is, I never really cared about my legal industry. No, no, no. Like, on t- I started caring about the NBA when, you know, Mr. Olumide Akpata. I saw you promote came. that. Oh, no. That you, you, took, you carried it on your head. I had to. Because when everybody thought I was this recalcitrant, unruly <laughs> lawyer just doing, you know, I received a random phone call from this person. And he goes, hi, my name is Olumide Akpata. And I heard that you're a trailblazer. Nice. I was that, like, okay. That must have been so encouraging. First of all, even, even if you didn't know who you Yeah, was. I was just like, all right. It's like, and I need you to come and speak on a panel. Then he hung up. Then my first instinct for anything, I go on Google and check who's this person. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> this guy is like a partner in like this big law. The next time he calls, I was like, yes, sir. You're like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Why you say yes, sir? Was, so on the day of the panel, I remember it was the NBA SBL conference. I think it was the first time they featured. What year was this? I think it was 2017. Yeah. I get my dates really mixed up. Yeah. But I so I called him like 30 minutes before I went on the panel because we had these big people. I was like the nobody on that panel. Yeah. I was feeling very intimidated. And I called him. I said, so, sir, I have a bit of a loose mouth. Like, I'm not a politically correct person, you know, and I can tend to veer off. So, please, can you provide me with the question that they need to <laughs> ask so that I can't? Be straight yeah. and narrow. He was like, no, 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 no. I want you be, to be 100% you. I said, are you sure? He was like, yeah. Wow. I said, okay. I remember that day I was in the room with like RMD, I think Joker Silva, Mildred Oko, Bovi, um, the former DG of, of copyright, you know, uh, Adebambo, Adewopo. And I sat down there just saying, oh Lord, why did I accept this thing? Why did, as a, let me just tell you, I bought new shoes. <laughs> to boost my confidence yes, <laughs> because out of everything my my brain wasn't aligning i was just like okay let me just do one thing now i was like this shoe i bought then i think i bought it like 25k and i was like it's probably the most expensive shoe i've bought in my life yeah. <laughs> you know like <laughs> i needed to have something i said okay even if i mess up my shoes are nice yeah. you know and I, I can't remember the moderator. I think it was... I can't remember the moderator. That day. But the moderator gave every other person. But only Peter was, two was on, the, on the panel. The mod- so I, I went up to Professor Adewok and I was like, oh, that you, your student was my lecturer, my professor in school. So we we had we broke the high ice with that, you know, and we, we kept talking. Nobody wanted to speak to me. Like, everybody was just like, oh, just, you know, we don't know her, she's young, blah, blah, blah. And when they started the panel, 
You know when you're on the panel that you've sacrificed like all your week to prepare for and nobody's asking you questions. I just sitting there waiting like, okay, when is my turn, Sha? You ask me. They literally gave me just five minutes to talk. I promise you I can't remember what I said in those five minutes. But when I finished, all the questions came to me. Be- because before that mic came to me, I was like, you know what? Whether this is make or break, I will just speak my truth. And that was what I did. And we had like almost 10 questions and like eight were for me. And when I left that stage, everybody was like, oh my God. Like lawyers were like, oh my God, oh my God, I want to do that. I've been trying to do this. I can't figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of how I became popular in the legal industry. So when Olmide Akwata came and said, yo, Foza, I'm running for, I was like, you have my own support. And my own. So I went up and beyond because that's when I started caring about, you know, I used to pay, we pay our Nigerian bar association fees because if you don't pay that, you, you're not, you know, you can't appear in court for that year or something. I paid because, so I, that year I paid so that I could vote for Olumide Akpata because I saw hope and I saw someone that understood progression. And it's been nothing short of phenomenal, you know. So he's, he's, oh, he's, he's living he, up to the expectation. His leadership has affected, has, has positively affected your work? Yes. Because after every two today, a lot of people still reference, oh, I heard you speak at that panel. And he didn't know me from anywhere. He didn't try to get to know me. He just saw my CV and said, I've heard, you know, about you and I want to give you a platform. He didn't need to do that. Yeah. You know, and he just trusted that. He trusted a young person. That's what he did. And people need to trust young people more. I, I, I understand that. And this leadership, like in what way has it like improved how you've serviced musicians? A lot of training okay. for lawyers. Okay. So there's a there's the I, I I'm currently on the I'm the IP intellectual property committee secretary for the Nigerian Bar Association section of business law. Oh nice. So it's deliberate effort to educate people. The SBL I think last year did about what's an SBL? Oh sorry, it's the Nigerian Bar Association section of business law. So it's a okay. part of section the, of business law yeah. SBL. Okay, yeah. I just wanted that for people listening. Yeah. And I think when we're doing when we're you know so we did over 50 seminars last year. Nice. Training lawyers. And that was something that when I was coming up, I never used to see like trainings. Yeah. And most of them were free. So that education has led to more younger lawyers knowing that specialization is a thing. And the thing about specialization is my, my theory is consistency breeds success. If you keep doing something, you become an expert at something. And when you become an expert on something, your value increases and you can command more money. So okay. I feel like, I strongly believe that the solution to a lot of poverty in the legal industry is specialization. A lot of people will argue differently with me, but I've always been a proponent of specialization right from my 300 level. And that's what the SBL has been doing in terms of education. And Ulumide Akpata used to be the chairman of the SBA, now the MBA, and is fully in support of digitalizing the MBA and also, like, supporting the SBL. So, for me, it's just, like, that's what, f- when you vote, that's what makes you happy as a person. Yeah. Like, you voted something that really matters. He's not a perfect human being, so sometimes probably makes a big mistake, but, but a lot of his campaign promises is doing. Yeah, he kept to them. Yeah, he's keeping to them. Okay. 
So I had a conversation while prepping for this interview. Yeah, I had to prep to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> One word. The great joy is, first of all, I'm, I just want to tell you guys that, you know, we've gone seven seats, seven, seven years. I'm finally on the wall that claim joy. Arkans, podcast. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not each other too long. This should have happened long ago. I, I, I've just been really blinded by... Not blinded because I've I've just been really focused on doing a lot of work that not only services like pop culture because the kind of work I do, it's not enough for you to be the most technically gifted guy. Uh. It's enough. It's it's important that you also hold like pop attention. Yeah. To be able to do what you do because it's influence. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what it is. So I've I've had to like focus a lot on that, and in doing that, I've lost. I've lost the opportunity to do a lot of good work. I ain't gone lie. <laughs> I've done a lot of like impactful work, but like the work that really moves the needle, like beyond the fame and the, the numbers. Yes, and the numbers. And I've lost the opportunity to do that because sometimes we have to do that yes. because when you don't like my my theory is you can have you have to have a combination of money, power, influence to yeah. really move the needle. True. If you just have power, you are almost useless because you don't have money. Yeah. If you have power and you don't have influence, you're almost useless. So it's just like everything. Like you have you have influence, but you don't have money. That's the most painful thing yes. that can happen to you. So yes. you can be famous and broke. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I was famous and broke for a while. <laughs> for a while, I was famous and broke. So now I have money. I have influence. I, I don't think I have all the money. <laughs> I need to temper that. But I don't have all the money in the world, but I'm like comfortable. Yeah. And I have power. Cause, and I have influence. Yeah, like I could not just public influence. Like influence the public about what to think about, like yeah. the music industry. Yeah. But I can also influence things that happen within the space. And that's real power. Yes, it is. It is, and it it, it surprises me. When I talk, when I was doing the research on you, and I asked a younger lawyer, and I'm like, "Why do you fuck with Foza? What what is?" This thing, because she kept mentioning your name. I didn't tell her I knew you, and she's like, "Oh, I'm just talking to her about entertainment, you know." General. Yeah, and I'm like, "Why do you fuck with Foza? What is like this hold that she has on it?" Because I'm trying to understand too, and she's like, "A lot of people can say a lot of things about a number of things, but the own, but one thing that nobody can move beyond you is the business of clearance." Uh, oh yo i'm an og yes og clarence <laughs> so clarence i understand clarence as i understand clarence as trying to get permission to use a piece of music yeah to create like a new composition like mm -hmm. maybe if like let's say an artist like let's say johnny drill wanted something from william onyabo mm. You know, you know, we know you before. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah that's course. your that's your business. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> if John Israel wanted something from William Onyabo just to make what he's creating now better, and he would need to go on a call with you to be able to make sure he has no problems. Yeah, take taking from William Onyabo, I'm creating something. New. Yeah, hmm. certainly. How did you get into Clarence? So, it came from a, a, a discussion on publishing. Yeah. This was in 2016 yeah. when we were setting up a company called Greenlight Music Publishing. And let me tell you what keeps playing in my head. I remember a meeting we had with like a 
10 of your biggest producers now. We had that meeting at Oriental Hotel. The woo of woos in terms of producers were there. And I remember OJB Jezreel walking into that meeting. And he said, you see this, we're like four lawyers there. He said, you see these four lawyers? He was talking to the producers. Appreciate them and owe them tight. Because what they are doing, you're not paying them for it. But what, you're, what they are doing is going to save you and your family from poverty. And he said, he said, there's and this not, was in 2016. Yeah, I think 2016 there about. And like I said, I'm very bad with my dates. Yeah, it's fine. But I'm writing my book, so I'm going <laughs> to confirm that all those facts for you guys. Okay. You know, cool. and he said to me, and he looked at all, he looked at me, and he said, "There's really nothing you can do for me right now, because I've made my mistakes, and I've made peace with it." Ah, I was just like, "What? This is OJB Jr. that wrote." God bless his soul. Yeah, God bless his soul. That wrote and produced African Queen. African Queen is one of the leading pop single of this generation, like pop and R&B single of this millennium. Yeah. The next day, OJB died. The next day. Yeah. After saying that, yeah. and and you know having this moment with yeah. you, he just he, he died. And I couldn't shake that fear or that. Um, I was just like, oh my God. It has to be an eerie feeling, yes, you know? Because like, it's like, this person created something that has the potential to build wealth yeah. for his generation. And because of one piece of paper wasn't signed, everybody has lost out. Not just him, but his generation. It stuck with me. So from there, I started looking at it like, okay. I started doing research. like, And also because, like you know, like I said, specialization for me is key. Even in the music industry, there's still sub-specialization. Yeah. And I already predicted that by my fifth year, everybody wanted, everybody would want to be called an entertainment lawyer. And I, I needed something to distinct me. That when, when you're talking about Fuzai, you're like, ah, Fuzai is an OG. Yeah. yeah. And I found music. I, I love Nollywood. Yeah. You know, I watch every single Nollywood movie. Like, I try to. What, make, what makes Nollywood so attractive to you? It's the grit for me. It's the fact that I know the process and I know how people use two million and create this piece. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not perfect, but it's, it's going to work. Yeah. That's the Nollywood mentality. And I respect them for that. You know, and I saw that these people have, I still believe that if I want to be popular, <laughs> I'm going to act in Nollywood and sing yeah. because Nollywood's fame rich is insane. And I'm talking African wide. Same. I just I just spoke to someone earlier today who we use Nollywood. Who would say the opposite because he used Nollywood to create a to create earnings for himself that he invested into music, and now now that he has become a music star, he's seen so much more than when he was a Nollywood star. So. Nollywood is the same thing. Nollywood's economics still doesn't make sense, yeah. and that's because we still have a we still have a large distribution problem. That's just not Nigerian problem. It's Africa. But what makes it better than what makes it more? What, what makes what what makes you value the 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 the, the visibility of Nollywood? The Alaba distribution system. <laughs> okay, in what way? That's a gold that because a lot of people didn't understand how to work on that structure yeah. legally and account-wise. 
and business management wise we led to waste that's uh, that network that alaba network is network that is probably valued at and i'm not exaggerating a billion dollars do you know what it is if you get to alaba alaba can get to uganda in terms of distribution yes it can get to cameroon i don't care what kind of digital music distribution you are doing now it's dwindling it keeps dwindling every year but there's a reach and that network is what we value in business yeah. and distribution but we failed to build on it because like every other thing was so used because we don't document and tell stories we discard when we see a new shiny thing yeah you know so that's that's the, so you go to Uganda and Aki and Popo are super what Big. you go to Cameroon and the only thing they are watching is Nollywood you go to Senegal you know, I've, I go for a lot of film festivals and every other film industry is like they're playing games compared to Nollywood. Yeah. So that's the value and the strength of Nollywood. And, and they're beginning to get it a bit, a bit, a bit. It's a lot of work. Shout out to Isioma Idigbe doing amazing work in terms of like film law. Yeah. Um, so for me, music, I, I saw that and I was just like, there's a way that music must tap into this fame, this extra fame, easier fame. This person you're talking about the reason why the success of his first album was hinged on the fact that he had created... You know what it is for someone to be seeing you on TV every day for 265 days in a year? Yeah. And you're a damn good character in it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's so if you, if you tweet and say, oh, I have this... And your product, your music product is equally as good as your film product. It would exponentially be crazy. Yeah. Now... Music, like I tell people, we have the very short-term hype that leads to very short-term money. It's not the smart business people that translate it to long-term money. Yeah. You know, you can be hot for two years and be buying Bentley <laughs> with the way music would come at you. True. But after time, after that second... Now, it's even statistics is showing before uh, fame lifestyle will probably do you five years. Now it's reducing. Yeah, it has to reduce. It's reducing three years because now you're competing with... Somebody that will just go on Instagram and do waris. <laughs> yes, yes. You're you competing know? with a guy like you can do all of those well, those those permutations and and grand planning. You're competing with a guy like Portable. Yeah. Who literally just says, "Are you mad or something?" Are you mad or something? And he's and holding everybody in choco. Yes. And that's the the, the gene- That's what we are entering into. Anybody can be a superstar. So your job as an artist or an actress is ten times harder. You, you, the, the factors you are competing with is like 10 times harder you know so for me I saw all this from you know, and I was just like I needed something to be a stronghold of and and it, these things are really easy when you read you know when I started researching in you know in my 300 level about music and I, I saw that the most successful business people were lawyers but what attracted you to it though? Uh, shout out to Purink uh, my boys were just like that day I was working in school yeah. and I saw some people rapping. What school was this? Babcock University. Okay. I saw some people rapping. No, oh, yeah, Babcock Bay. Yes, no. Okay. Yes, no. So when they suspend them, a part of you dies. When they. they I'm, all, I'm all, <laughs> all right though because we, we did our five years. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we brought Bernard to school and I almost got expelled in my <laughs> final year because Bernard refused to listen, not to remove his shirt and not yeah. to smoke igbo. 
So her following them was like, we're bringing the devil to school. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, you 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 were going to yeah. To so I was walking on the corridor, and I just saw these boys doing some things. I was just so amazed. I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, I was just looking for wood to gun. Cause they, they call, we call this thing in school called docassin, where a boy and a girl they are talking. And so you, yeah, I was looking for gist. I just saw some boys recording with headphones. I was like, ah, who's popping here? And I saw that they were doing a cover to Lagos party. Panky Double's Lagos yeah. party. And this boy called OG was like, yo, you look like you can rap. Can you rap? I was like, yeah. I don't. <laughs> never I don't. And it was like, okay, form some bars. And I just sat down. And I was just like, I remember the lines. Yeah, move straight like a. No. No, no, no. I was like, oh, no. What's that? F to the O to the Z to the A. Moving straight on the. No. Moving straight on the BRT line. But I swing. Bo- I was just like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And. We did. I'm still going to look for that record. I'm putting it in my book. And the next thing was Amani on my forehead, Gucci on my something. I was just like, ah oh, man, this is. Not. And I told him like, yo, you guys should send the song to me. You know, <laughs> I went to Lagos the next week, and DJ XL, uh, he, he works with MTV Base now, yeah. and Tosin Bok now. And I was like, guys, listen to the song. DJ XL was like, oh, this is fire. Like there were fire rappers on it, and he called me one night and he was like, I'm playing your song. I think it was on City FM then, and I called everybody. Come on, listen. So you have an you have a song in this market where you rapped, mm-hmm. and it's on the internet right now. No, I've checked for it. Did then we used to use for shared <laughs> <laughs> and all shared. Yes, I <laughs> you know. So and it was like, oh, I played. Everybody went mad in school. Like, yo, who is this babe that got our song on radio? Next day, OG just came to me, be our manager, and that's how I started managing like seven boys. You know what it is to manage seven boys. Yes. Seven I, boys that I, I were just interested I don't in, envy you. in fornicating. I don't envy you at all. And that was how I got then I was like, I needed to find a way to mix the law yeah. on music. And I found my mentor, Miss Uduak, doing amazing work. Uduak hates me though. <laughs> we've, we've blocked each other for six years now. Wow. Yeah, she went she attacked me one night and I gave her a piece of my mind. Oh, but no. we blocked each other for six months. But I respect Uduak. I respect six months or six years? Six years. Wow. Six years. Yeah, six years. The the hate is that deep. So I don't think it's hate. I just think like, but yo, Uduak is, I love. No, she's amazing. I, I follow her work. Like, I don't, I have no, Uduak used to be the only, used to give me so much insight, insight and perspective on like art and how it like how it intersects with legality and yeah. everything so up to until this moment i'm subscribed to her <laughs> so she might have blocked me on social media <laughs> but my spirit is still with her but which is which is where like love and respect for for your professionalism comes in yes. if you're good at what you do you're good at what you, you, yeah. you you're able to separate it yeah. you know and uduak just gave me that platform to believe and dream that i could make a living by being an entertainment lawyer. And when I was doing my research, I saw like, you know, there was Clive Davis, there was like uh, this guy Bob, and like these people were are rich, popular, and powerful. Yeah. So an entertainment lawyer can orchestrate deals yeah. because they are the orb. I was like, that's what I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So from that understanding, for me. Now, there's no, I don't know the clearance you want to do, except the person that owns that clearance doesn't like you and doesn't want to give it to you. I don't know what clearance you want to do. I will get it. And it's in a matter of like 
highest two days. How how hard it is to clear how hard it is to clear like a local song from the past in Africa or Nigeria specifically. With me, not hard. If is only if you're not if you don't want to agree to the terms, if you don't want to pay the money that they okay. are requesting for, or you want to be shifty, you know. So for example, Adikule Go's new song has Mercy in it. Baba Fario, um, Mercy, sorry, has Dengue Pose. Dengue Pose, yes. And Baba Fario, and shout out to Adekunle Gold, one of the beautiful creatives I love working with because it's, there's mutual respect. Yeah. AG calls me He's one a brother. Night. I consider him my brother. Yeah. So I've known him for a while. <laughs> yeah. So we're that close. AG calls me and says, Billions, I want to have this idea in my head and I want to do it and everything. And I heard that you clear songs that you know, <laughs> I need. I has to do with Baba Fire. I'm like, tell me. And he was like, okay, I'll send you some in two days. He said he hasn't recorded it. First thing, this is somebody that understood that I have to respect the next creative. Yeah. So let me find out if it's something I can do. And he looks for who can do it for me. That's the first step. And that's what other creatives respect. The older people respect is that, oh, you are even giving me this respect because I'm, because I'm no longer popping, but you're still giving me respect. First yes. things first. Yes. You know, then sends the song to me. I call Baba Fario, amazing human being, very sweet. I said, ah, Ogami, this thing has to happen and everything. Two, in 30 minutes, it was just like, okay, Foza, I trust you. Trust. So a lot of the people trust me that I would not sabotage them and I wouldn't get them a bad deal. Yeah. You know, and I said, boss, this person wants to use my client. He's very good, blah, 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 blah. And was it around the time when he was dragging Davido for giving to 50 million to <laughs> orphans? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I didn't even see that part. You know, Nathan, someone said it to me, but I was just like, you know. <laughs> I, I, I can't resist that. <laughs> Continue, you know, please. And, Bavaria was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you could, you know, use it as a creative and everything. And we went back and forth, back and forth, cleared it out. And AG calls me, I was like, yo, Fosa, I would really love for him to be in the video. So I, I was a bit like, ah, would this man really want to come up? I call him and Bavaria was like, yeah, if you, like, he, didn't, he was just like, yeah, you know. And we got him. AG was like, Fosa, you need to take care of him. Anything he wants, you know, put him in a nice place, make him comfortable, you know. AG was so like so respectful of him. And if you if we say, Oh, Baba Fire, please can we do some can you do something for he would do it because AG also showed mutual respect. Yeah, and he felt he felt like the love and he felt he felt being valued yeah. as a creative. Exactly. From from someone from another like many generations removed from him. Yeah. I mean <laughs> When we shoot, so we're like, ah, he's using eye patch like Google. I said, you are very disrespectful. <laughs> 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 the original eye patch part is here. Yes, yeah. You know, and that process was so seamless because both creatives respected themselves. Now, we have a lot of badly behaved people, yeah. you know, and I can have the contact and have the network, but if you, as a person licensing or sampling, you're badly behaved, it makes it harder. There are some people that just naturally would not license to you. I will not name names, but we've been begging this guy. You know, a lot of people come, you know, and say, my guy will tell you, nope, I'm not licensing. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's the decision of that person to I, allow no, you to use their like, music. Like, what is... Why did they prevent? So yeah. I feel that particular person is because he got burnt by the system so bad. 
and mentally he has not recovered from it. So he's left completely and he's just like, I know I made very good stuff that influences the culture, but I've not made money from it. So I don't care. Leave it. I've gone to another industry to make money. So for him, it's just like, yeah, whatever. They invite him for stuff. Mm. Nothing. He doesn't just care about like Nothing. Nigerian music anymore. He doesn't care about the industry. It's just like... So if you're bringing him out, when people bring him out for anything, I'm just like, ah, what amount of work did you do here? You know, so even with the clients... So, so the money does not interest nope. him or, nope. or sway nope. his decision. Nope. And, and at least 10 times I've tried. I gotta respect that person. I, I, I have to respect him. At least 10 times I've tried. I have to respect yeah. someone who, who who sticks up. I I think I think it's I might you might look at the like the financials of it and say this person this person is a this person is shooting himself in the foot. But I respect the principle behind yeah. it because he doesn't even like the one of the things I've found out is also he doesn't like the consumer behavior to art yeah. because the consumer behavior to art in general in the world is they feel entitled to it. That's why you would pay. Ten dollars to listen to one million songs in a month, yeah. And every creative has to share from your ten dollars. Sure. The consumer behavior. You see, I was seeing someone tweeted something about Spotify being able to predict the next superstar, and I responded. I said maybe they should predict the better payouts, and everybody was <laughs> laughing. I was just like, yeah, you know. But when we look at it and we have conversations, because I followed the chief economics, uh, the guy that was doing the, I think the formulated the principles for Spotify. And he was like, everything really just boils down to consumer behavior. If the consumer doesn't want to pay more for it, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you know, so fans, they rage and they, you guys need to understand that these creatives suffer. And the measly money sometimes you pay isn't what the stress they go through. So maybe a bit more empathy. I know they behave like bastards sometimes, but ebb <laughs> them. Hmm. But how it is like so you work with a lot of these people who, who have recorded in the past and created like legacy works what what's the attraction for them for those who ever will give you their their blessing and will take money for you know sampling what's the attraction for them more than anything because i know the money is good also but is there do they think it's bigger than the money when they give their blessings to this sample trust first of all they trust me <laughs> okay it's important that you're there for them to be able to do yeah this. a lot of them most times i've noticed is that when i say don't worry your rights are protected okay they are more inclined so even if i come to them and tell them guys we can't collect an upfront money for this but we'll be saying money if they, because we've done a lot of clearance for netflix for um we did one for the the cold plays last album yeah there was a i think 1972 sample from nigeria yeah akot white for real we did that when they sent it to us i was like what for hakot white yeah like how do you people so the level the extent of research and due diligence we had to do to find the original like the prop because obviously it's dead so the thing is did he die in test states did he die test states you know who currently owns the right which family owns it and what administers it that level of research, you know. That's crazy, though. Yeah. We had to send people to Anambra or something to yeah. figure out and before we not traced it to the, you know, the guys that owned it and whatever. And 
when I was talking to that guy, he was like, yeah, a lot of people have come. They've given us this, this distribution contract, that whatever, and they're just. But every year, it gets a check. Because also for me, I don't see why I should be taking your $100. Mm. <laughs> so it's like that integrity of, okay, whatever happens, this babe is not going to take our money. Yeah. And there's proper accounts. There's transparency. Because you can be accountable and not transparent. Sure. You can be transparent and not accountable. There are sure. two different concepts I need to. You know, accountability is whether you ask me or not, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Transparency is whether you, um, I'm always true. I'm always, you know, yes. I'm giving you the right like thing. Like you see what it is. Yeah. Like you know? I, I make you see what it is. Exactly. So a lot of, a lot of people in the industry lack accountability and transparency. And like I said, you know, when we were talking before we started, I built my brand or my name and my business on integrity. So everybody that works with me knows you cannot collect money from someone and not deliver the excellence that you promised. Yeah. The moment you cannot return their money sure. and keep it moving. And I tell people, I'm like, there's no amount of money. See, I did a deal. And the person still owes me $1,000. Every time I see the person, the person cannot talk to me. Yeah. Because the person knows what the person did. And that person made so much money off my name. Yeah. You know, that I didn't even know. I just saw that, ah, this guy is driving a new Toyota Cam- uh, Cor- uh, Camry or whatever. And in that corporation, they were already like, oh, Fosa has spent this much money and whatever and whatever. The way that that truth got revealed to me was because someone on the board was like, nah, I know this person. This person would never do this. So they called me in and they asked me, I was just like, uh, no. And by the time I started bringing out my receipt, I was like, no, this is, this is, this is, this And the person was like, I told you people that this person cannot do that. And the only reason I could enjoy that is because I've proven myself worthy to someone else. Yeah. And everybody that scammed in that, all of them, plus the one that had an accident with the car that I bought, plus two. because then again, spiritually, I'm one of those people, I tell people that, you, I, except I do something to you, yeah. you can't offend my spirit, man. My God will fight for me. Because God had told me that you focus on the job, I've, I will fight your fight. Yeah. So you cannot try to soil my name and go scot-free with it. And it's not like I will do anything actively except pray and cry to God. That God knows this person or whatever. But I've seen where integrity shows up for me and people would have conversations and be like, nah, this babe, you know, she'll never do that. And if, if there's a problem, they'll come and I'll explain. You know, so for me, it's just basically that. And that's how a lot of people trust me and say, you know what, I'm going to give you my life. Yeah. And trust me. And I don't take it for granted. I do not. So without this trust, which is a key element in like clearance, without this trust, a lot of things wouldn't happen. Yeah. Because I know you're not like, you're not the only person who does this, but you're the person with the most successes within this space. So you think the trust is what differentiates you from a lot of others? Yeah. And, and the fact that everybody gets what is due to them. And I'm very content with my nice 10% or 15% that <laughs> I keep it moving. Yes, <laughs> you, yes. You, you don't get greedy about yeah. it. And, and people also know that I'm constantly thinking about ways to make more money for them. Uh, because my principle is when I was coming into the industry, there was no money allocated to lawyers. 
So when I was, co- and, and that made me think more from a business point of view as a lawyer to create revenue so that I can earn. So most clients, I'll tell them, okay, you know what? Don't pay me retainer because you can't afford it. But if I make you money, this is my percentage, you know? And so I had to be very innovative. I had to be very, how can I use this person's name to make money for them? How can I use this person's catalog to make money for them and stuff? So, I mean, we've gone to the trenches to go and, and there's a lot of cultural understanding that has to go into. Because if you're talking to a man that is 60 year old, 60 years old, you cannot be talking to him and be telling him, uh, so, you know, um, when you sample and you don't, no, you will prostrate yes. and kneel down. Yes, no. And carry um, cola notes to them. Of course. Because, this is an OG. Yeah, because they're looking at you like, I've made so much money you've not made in your life, so why should I listen to you? Yeah. I've had, when we're doing, you know, when because we do a lot of digital cleanup for them. Yeah. And I've had people from prison, marketers from prison, <laughs> sending people to my office to say, you are, you are trying to, you are trying to touch the small money that is coming from. Joey, I've had people threat. You see, when people say that, I don't talk about what I do, which is why I'm writing my book. Because then again, because I'm trying to secure myself and my family, and yeah. I don't talk about a lot of things. A lot of people are beginning to take credit for my work. I found yeah. that very annoying. So I was just like, you know what? I might as well talk about my work and make money. So I'm using Joey's podcast to tell you that my book is coming February 17th. Yes. 2023. <laughs> I've had people threaten to take my... Joey, people look me in the eye. And I'm talking about Yoruba people yeah. saying that, you know, they'll, they'll make adage like, so you want to see the end of the year. But I, I get you, but with, with things like, I know we have been in the pits for so long. Yeah. Even how our music is administered, even the people who own the rights to these things, and a lot of stealing and underhanded like behavior happens that deprives people of their money and their inheritance and, you know, all of the, 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 the things that should accrue to them for doing the creative work. But how bad is it? Like, we talk about how we don't have documentation, we don't have this, but how bad is it? It's as bad as your guys that were popping between 2000 and 2012 have lost close to $100 million. Whoa by signing things that they did not understand. E.G., there's this company <laughs> that keeps popping yeah. in publishing. They are quality everybody's publishing. And when we trace the history, that company has changed. It's a U.S. company. Yeah. They've changed names so many times, you know, because they are escaping a lot of yeah, things. They are constantly have yeah. to like reinvent themselves yeah. to be able to make money. Exactly. Illegally. But illegally. This, a lot of them signed. So some people came into Nigeria, went to Alaba, went to meet the marketers. Because at that point, marketers were losing so much money. You know, marketers then are doing what your DIY distributors are doing. Sure. That's why I said history is important. Yeah. For us to always know. So your marketer will say, okay, um, Joey, all right, you have one song that's blown in the streets. Okay, take three million, go and bring an album. Now, Joey takes three million, goes to buy a car, buy a house, doesn't come back to check, you know. And culturally, because a lot of people eliminate culture from how we do things. And that's why a lot of solutions that we prefer, when 
someone went to Harvard to go and say, Harvard can provide solution to Africa. I was just like, you're a joker. You're a pompous joker. We weren't written into that curriculum. Like, our ways, we are not written into that curriculum. Exactly. You know, now, you know culturally that an Igbo man would always account for every one cobble yeah. that he spends. So the claim of, because Igbo guys were the biggest marketers then, the claim that Igbo marketers were the ones that were destroying the industry was so absurd culturally to me. And it took me and my partner going to Alaba, like driving to Alaba to do research. And the only people that could fund the research then were the Chinese people. So when they did the research and everything, and when they were showing us, see, the average Alaba guys, let's talk about, not even talk about the top guys, will show you years and years of record. And when you ask them questions, they will tell you how they've also spent money in litigation to stop piracy within their market. So now begs the question of, when you say Alaba is piracy, like, you're talking from a deep place of ignorance. Yeah. You know, so those guys will give you money, you know, the artists will run away, you know, probably not deliver what they're supposed to deliver, which is also a common thing right now, you know, go to another distributor and sign and all those things. So yeah. someone who just came from the abroad, some guy spoke nice English and said, okay, you know what, we'll give you $10,000. And at this point, CD factory near had closed down, this yeah. um, fiscal uh, CD thing had closed down, everything, everybody was losing money. So all those guys were so just, so they were just sitting on products yes. without make so, without a way to make money. Exactly. From it. So you go to an Alaba guy's place and you see like a million CDs, nothing is moving. Yeah. And this guy comes from America and says, "Oh, I'll give you ten thousand dollars." For what? To distribute your music online. This was in two thousand and six. No, you know, two thousand and five. So they, you sign. They had us in the first half. You know, yeah. So you sign and you sign off publishing and masters. But then you're looking at it like, but does the marketer really have the right to do that? Because but, but, but even then we didn't understand 2006, nobody knew what publishing was. <laughs> exactly. But, but so 2006, I was in secondary school. But for them, it was just like, this is a business. If I'm going to write this over as bad debt, I might as well make some money to clear up the bad debt. Yeah. So they thought they owned the masters to do that. But the law is clear. If there's no written agreement assigning you the that, amount, yeah. you do not own it. So when we started that fight, we didn't start the fight saying, oh, you're a thief. We started the fight saying, we know where you're coming from. And we understand the problem you faced and why you took this decision. So we're telling our clients that everybody has offended here. <laughs> you know. So let's find a way forward. And a lot of those intricacies were able to detach. Some people were stubborn. Some people were, were able to losing it, losing it, losing it. Not, but if it was a regu- regular lawyer from a regular, it would just go straight to fighting. You know, yeah. we, I, Joey, I sat down in Alaba from 12 to 8 p.m. processing CDs, wow. having conversation with the guy, Golden Point, and walking through the... See, so when people say... Oh, Alaba is pa- it irritates me because I'm just like you and this thing, nobody sent me a message. You, you had <laughs> yeah, to do it for because the you game. need I needed to understand it because if this thing was successful at a point, why isn't it successful now? You know, and so that company that came in at that point just took a lot of people's copyright and they're just collecting publishing. So I said until and they, were, and, they, and they just kept making money. Yes, until 2015 or 20 no, until 2019. 
there was this really popular song by this popular artist that never collected this publishing rights. Every day I would search. And I, but at that point, I got to a point in my life, I stopped caring about people that not used to engage me or retain us. So yeah. I was just like, this is so dumb. You know, and so many people have lost some hundreds of millions of dollars and now they are suffering because when they want to present you a deal, your financial history is not showing why they should give you that advance. And you're pissed off because you know you had hit records in the past, but nobody cares. Your credit history isn't showing anything. So it, it's unfortunate, but you can rebuild it. It's going to take a while. Now that you are seeing, I said, man, I do deals where one song, they are giving you hundreds of thousands of pounds. And I'm looking at these small children like, huh? <laughs> because and, and that gives them the, the, the confidence of be telling me, Fosa, this is what I want or not. I mean, when I send bills to them, they will pay it. Ah, I said, okay. <laughs> I'll give them what they want. I'll give you what you want. <laughs> you know, but that level, that level of like, I know that these guys are doing awesome stuff and their paperwork is protected. Gives me so much joy. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of is the SARS Academy. Yeah, Yeah, you were very... You were very involved in that. No, no, I am a trustee. <laughs> yes, I know, because you were very involved in that. You carried it on your head. You yes. pushed it. And it was from that movement that we have some of the people leading the charge right now. Yes, we have Duny Temple, Prime. Prime, yes. STG. Yes, from that. West from Co- like, you just, you see, and you know the funny thing is, even the ones that are not top of your lips, they're making good money. Because yeah. they're probably doing brand ads, they're doing children content, they're doing... Because you train them to, in business, to understand how to create sustainable wealth. So they don't need to be in the clubs popping with you, but they're making money. They don't need to beg you. Some of them are, they've seen that, okay, I'm, I'm more functional as a business, but I mean, we have, we have a good producer that is currently working with PwC. Okay. And is leading the charge of just having conversations of, how, how are you guys helping the entertainment industry? True. You know, for me, that's joy, that's success. You know, and the same thing with lawyers. I have lawyers that I've mentored that are working in multinational companies. And every day I wake up, and someone is trying to, you know, the other day I was tweeting about it, and someone came and said, Why am I inserting myself into somebody's success? I laughed so uh, hard. I'm like, Let the person, right? <laughs> let, let the person draw their success out. I see how I don't fit in. Go and meet the person and ask them how. I don't fit into their success. I'm like, even when I don't make money from it, because most of the time you don't make money from it. Yeah. I have the right to enjoy from the joy. Yeah. And the success from that thing. And I and I think that's why a lot of older people are bitter. Because I always keep reading stories to ensure that I don't grow up to be that old person that becomes bitter, envious, and cantacorous. Yeah, that nobody wants to fuck with. Yeah, because... And, and it's little things like... What I spent six years doing, someone just spent one year and is getting like global recognition. True. I had to le- consciously learn that my position, my friend would say, your position is a tree. It will bear good fruit, it will bear bad fruit. Your job is to focus on just being the tree, not focus on the, on the fruit. Yeah. Sometimes you pause and look at the fruits and be like, ah, they move. but your job is to constantly be the tree. Okay. It's a hard lesson because we're human beings. I'm, I, I tell people that my natural disposition is pride. <laughs> pride. Like, yeah, you know, you, I get that. if you know me personally, you see, you know, but every day I keep getting broken, broken and just understanding that my position here and it's easy to get very bitter and yeah. angry because the industry itself, you know, gives you that toxic trait. Yeah. 
you know so but but i've also learned to enjoy the moment and enjoy the successes and little wins that comes with it nice nice and then for for the less explored like now everyone's screaming alphabets to the world everyone's screaming how swashbuckling our music is and how it continues to do so much great work i've also seen you do work with artists that aren't exactly secular artists like gospel artists uh, yeah you worked you work in the gospel space yeah what's holding it back <laughs> i'm gonna make a joke holy spirit <laughs> <laughs> okay you see the consistency of its appearance oh, i don't know um my people have refused to just do business there's a large it's a philosophy philosophy thing okay really because I feel like gospel artists should be the richest. Well, technically they are. Yeah, technically they are. They are. They just don't, you know. They just don't make as much as they should. Yeah, because they just don't care about. What they business. make is good and is big, but they can make so much more if they cared a lot more. Yeah, and that's that's always my like. You have, I I manage Chi. Yeah. And the process for because is you also need to like I keep saying the background the culture of it. I can't rush a gospel artist to create music. No, you can't. It has to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. A lot it, of it is faith based. Yeah, if not, you just get empty music <laughs> that nobody connects to. So that's one aspect I had to learn. But then again, because she we transitioned from secular industry into the gospel industry. And she tells me she yeah, says yeah I knew I knew her when she was in the yeah in the secular, secular industry. industry yes and then when she made the transition I was like okay <laughs> okay yeah you know and she says this thing every time she says that my job is to listen to the Holy Spirit and get the music your job is to figure out how, how. to make it work yeah so anytime anything you know you want to, you want to do anything with the music or you want to speak to Fuza that's a very rare trait in the gospel industry. And because you have to speak, you you cannot just go and be singing my song anyhow and release cover. I put that thing down. One OG tried yeah. to do it. But that's something they do all the time. Yeah, but one OG tried to do it with my music. I said, hello, sir. I know the Bible says we should not be taking our matters to court. But <laughs> <laughs> please, res- let's respect ourselves. Yeah. Because the producer that will produce is not producing it for free. The mixing engineer is not producing it for free. And if you know gospel artists, cost of production is so high because they do live music. No, a lot of it is live. Yeah. All of that experience is, it is live. And see, I've seen, they send, I know a gospel artist that mixes a song for nothing less than $3,000 because the strings has to hit that, you know, and the and, bass. And a lot of it is very emotional. Yes. So the mix has to be right. You know, and they spend as much as that. Then you now come and be telling me to come to come and sing in your church for free no. because God, I have a serious problem with that. We still no. we see they argue that for the industry, but you know, I feel like the gospel industry has so much potential, and it's part of the the industry like thing I'm raising so much money for because I have a ninety percent assurance that if I invest money proper money in the gospel artist, they'll make that money back faster yeah. than a pop artist. Nice, nice. And then, thank you so much. You've 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 
we've done a lot of speaking. I feel like we've and spoken to Yes, <laughs> we have. We have at this moment, this particular moment, we're like an hour thirty minutes into this Woo! conversation, like into pure conversation. Yeesh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so with all of this happening, Afrobeats to the world. How has Afrobeats to the world impacted your music? Has it made it better? In fact, your work, rather. Has it made navigating the legal aspect of the music industry better or it's made it more complex? And in what way has it shown itself? First off, I think the foreigners are beginning to understand that just because I'm based in Nigeria, does not mean I don't know what I'm doing. So we used to call a lot of people's bullshit. So those people that go and be employing US lawyers and UK <laughs> lawyers, when they come and meet us here and we're having conversation, they're just like, wow. You know, foreigners always feel like we're animals and monkeys. Yeah, we have hearts, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Where's your heart, Fuzzer? Where's your heart? It's in, it's in Ikeja. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're having, for me, it's just shown like that I'm competing on a global scale and global level with a lot of people. And where people have tried to bullshit my work, I have conversations with them and say, you need to understand that our laws are very different. IP is very territorial. So language difference and everything, but you will respect me. You're not going to make me feel like... I mean, the first few times I started interacting with international, they used to do that thing. Oh, so it's a local lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a local, local, local lawyer. <laughs> but that local lawyer, <laughs> by the time we start, I, I think when we first started, people start take down. <laughs> when you spend like hundreds of millions on the song and I help you take it down first and I tell you, I have conversation. The conversation should change. <laughs> yeah, because the power difference is shown. Yeah, because you're just like, you're not going to treat me like shit because you think maybe I went to Babcock. Know, Babcock. <laughs> no. I'm equally, I'm calm because for me, I think, I, I don't know who exposed me to that. It's just like, you're in a global market where you're not competing with your classmates in Babcock. You're competing with the Chinese guy. Yeah. You know, so you have to think globally. Yeah. So for us, you know, Afrobeats to the world, see, I've had clients that they, they fired us, <laughs> went to the Yankee, were very bond, came back and said, anything that I'd be like, ah, no, no, no. If it's not Fosa that is checking, I know they do. Yeah. You know, be, so for me, it's giving more credence to a lot of local, you know, experts here, yeah. saying that we actually know what we're doing. We can create solutions that work. Also, it's make, giving us an avenue to interact better with diasporans that, you know, are doing real work. And I enjoy that collaboration at every point in time. I yeah. work across Africa, so Ghana, Tanzania, Kenya, you know, and I interact with a lot of lawyers, and it's amazing to see the. Um, amount of talent you know coming out of the continent so for us structurally we're getting there there's a lot of simultaneous work going on everywhere from managers to lawyers to accountants and everything so i'm excited about that but you know we keep saying that the real fame the real famous guys that can affect that have the influence to effect real change why we have the power yeah and the other people have the money at the artist. So as artists, I keep saying you need to read. Yeah. You have no excuse not to read anymore. But but they have to smoke loud. 
but I, I heard that when you spoke loud, you have this epiphany yeah. of like the greatest revelation. I, I, I'll admit this: from time to time, I smoke loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and yes, I get epiphanies and revelations. Is it decent? I mean, you. I have clients that come to me and say, during the pandemic year, yeah. when I was giving reports to my clients and saying, guys, we're going to suffer a lot for the next three years because life, blah, blah. They were telling me, nah, Fuza, in six months, we'll be sorted. Someone came to me. I said, at the beginning of lockdown, they were saying, I want to make 900 million this year. Uh-uh. I said, okay. Uh-uh. I said, when they've taken out your primary means of earning. I, you know, at the point, I was just like, baby, I'm being pessimistic. Yeah. But, you know, I was just like, no, I'm not. I'm just like, you're just detached from reality. Yeah, and now I realized you're that. You're following the data. I'm just like, well, you people do a lot of drugs and 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 uh, what they call it, igbo. But so <laughs> I've learned, which is also cultural, is I've learned to understand the behavior. So I know when I'm talking to a client that is high, yeah, I don't have proper conversations. I just say, guy, let's listen to some of your records. Yeah. <laughs> so when you are calm, I'll not tell you that. Like, this money you're spending on on loud is not, you know. You can't be spending the money that your distributor gave you for advance yeah. to buy a house. You need to half it into two. If you want to buy a house, buy the house. But, you know, so it's when I've had to learn to know when to have comes. Because one of my biggest problems when I was coming up was I used to think that we're all professional. And I, and I realized that creatives have this left brain and the professionals have this right brain. So that, that meeting point, I, need to, I had to learn how to get my clients to be comfortable enough to trust you know, conversations because sometimes you just see them acting out and you need to understand where they're acting out from yeah. to be able to undo the situation. Sure. And most times, eh, once they smoke the boo, they do this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. everything becomes very, very, very unprofessional yeah. and irrational. Yeah. Yeah, and that's hard. <laughs> so, with all, all of this happening, do you do you think you have? Do you think you've made an impact on what it means to be a lawyer in Nigerian music? Yes. You can't write. If you're writing any story without my name, you have messed up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally believe it because one of the signals for influx of proper investment into the industry, I was part of that. Yeah, Okay. I was part of that. I did that research. My partner and I worked on that for three years. You kept mentioning this partner. What's this partner's name? Ire Dumari Okoyemi. That's my brother. Yeah. Like, Ire, Ire is such an awesome guy. Like, yeah. it's one of the... See, if you say the number one... Ent- the only person I can allow you to say that is the number one entertainment <laughs> lawyer in the, in the country. In, in Africa is Ire. He's such Ire. a brilliant genius and um, even before i even knew what you guys were doing for me the reason why i fell in love with you people was that you guys liked what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> because real recognizes real uh, yes exactly you, so after after that i'm like okay these people they fuck with me i'm not going to see anything they happened here <laughs> you know and, and for me it's just like facts always has stands the test of time yes and we did so much work data work and research work that has led a lot of the investments that you see coming in is because one person, you know, influenced by our research yeah. and work took that leap and everybody just said, ah, okay, they started coming in. So, 
Yes. If so you guys did like seminal work within this space that modernized it more we, than anything. Within Africa, within not Africa. just Nigeria. Yeah. So if you don't want to put my name there, it's because you're being hypocritical. And to be honest, before I used to be phased about it, but now nah. you'll be fine. Nah, because fine. because every decade you're going to get a book from me. <laughs> talking about it. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so... um. I know your social media handle is Foza Doza. Foza Doza. F O Z A D O Z A. Why are you called Foza? So it's following me when you call Sola Z that Adesola. Ah. Shout out to my best friend, Jumoke. She gave me that name. We're all looking for cool nicknames in secondary school then. I used to be DJ Skinny, DJ Spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Well, eventually you got to Foza. Yeah, Jumoke was just like Foza works. And that that stock. Um, Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Thank Joey. you. I Thank really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, yes, I did. I don't want it to end. And you guys, one chapter of my book, Joey gave me the title to it. So what's, you say, yes. What's, what's this title? Oh, no, no, they, they have to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, February 20. No, February 17th, 2023. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting your book. Yeah. Okay, hopefully by then. Hopefully this this still exists, and then by them you have to do your promo. It does. It does. And you does have to come back here. Yes, and I have to give you people juice about the people that wanted to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so All much, right. Joey. Thank you.